Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Part two, Hal and I, Hal Elrod and I, John Bergoff, had a conversation a couple weeks ago and it went long enough we realized we needed to turn it into a two-part episode. So you're listening into part two. If you didn't catch the first part, I really encourage you to go back and listen. This is a dialogue that Hal and I had where we talked about everything from his journey in battling cancer to coffee enemas, which is the greatest thing in the world. And if you don't know why, you've got to listen in to uh, some stories that we've never told and more stories that we've never told before. So have a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy it. If you do share it with others, you will hear us mentioning our best year ever blueprint event because it's the big project that really brought Hal and I back together. We've been friends for 18 years, but that project four or five years ago brought us back together. And we know many of you who are listening are going to be joining us in San Diego, November 17th, 18th, and 19th. And if you're planning on joining us but haven't picked up your ticket yet, do it. Go to bestyoueverlive.com. Get your ticket today. Bring a friend. Come to Entrepreneur Day. Hal and I cannot wait to hang out with you. So enjoy this episode, part two of my dialogue with your pal, yo pal, Hal Elrod. Take care. What story were we talking about? We were, oh, sleeping we, together in the same bed. Sleeping in the same bed. Yeah, we met together at a Cutco conference and I made a gesture comment, right? Like, hey, we should live together one day. You know, when you're 17 or 18, you say things that you don't know if you really mean it. And then you called me like a week and a half later and said, hey, I'm moving in. And I just remember thinking, oh, I don't want somebody living with me. I live in this one bedroom studio. <laughs> and uh, you moved in. And now you were very clean and organized. So I'm pretty sure when you walked in and you saw how I lived, you were also <laughs> regretting. Mortified. Yeah. yeah. But for different reasons. Yeah. So, so, so I walk in. There's a queen bed in the studio and he had invited me. I thought it was a sincere invitation to move in with him. No. You know, we were young. We were, you know, it was fun. And uh, my lease was up in my apartment and I walk in and I go, where am I going to sleep? And he goes, ah, you go, I'm comfortable with my sexuality. If you are, you know, we can share it. There was a king bed or whatever. It's like, it's a big bed. And uh, yeah. yeah, I was like, yeah, actually, I was like, I'm comfortable as well. And uh, so we shared a bed for four months. It was really funny. Yeah. And we had an old school boom box that every morning would wake us up. There was a seat, a Yanni CD. Yanni. I think the in the song, morning light. In the morning light is the name. <laughs> In the morning light. That, that was our alarm clock song that would play and we'd wake up and then we'd both go sell Cutco. And yeah. What was fun is when we sold Cutco together, we sold in the same neighborhoods. So we would literally drive, we'd get on the highway, we'd get on 280 and we'd go north and we'd get off at the same exit. And then we'd get into the neighborhood and you might turn one way and I'd turn huh. the other and we would try and sell to people. Well, and then maybe, or, or I'd call and be like, hey, your friend uh, Betty referred you and said you wanted to see some Cutco knives. Like, oh no, John Berghoff is my sales rep. I'm like, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you must have hated me for a you know, way because I mean, I moved in and then I took half your territory. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know, I know. There, it, oh. Clearly there was not a lot of intelligence to that invitation there. Yeah, there's some resentment, I'm sure, that deep down that uh, you harbor maybe. Yeah, I should go work on that. Yeah, you should probably go to, you should, be, you should be laying on a couch once a week with a therapist working on, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But next time Freddie Wu massages my calf muscles, I'll see if there's any emotions that come up. I like it. I yeah, like maybe it. resentment resides in the soleus muscle. So JB, let me share 
as we're, we're we're all over the place on this episode. Oh, we uh, had a reason to be here. I actually wanted you to talk to people yeah. about what you shared at our Quantum Leap Mastermind meeting. Yeah. And it was a message about what matters most. And yeah. so this was three or four months ago. This was three or four months into your chemo treatment. And you shared a message that Mike McCarthy, one of our Quantum Leap Mastermind members, he he the next night, had showed me that he had done this whole worksheet that you had given us. He said this was worth the entire trip for him. So I'd love for you to share with everybody a little bit about this message that you shared with us at Quantum Leap, because I think it highlights probably the most important value that you have captured in my mind from what you're going through that you have shared with others. And it took us an hour and 10 minutes to remember. That's why we were- This is a two-part episode, I think, buddy. I don't know if we've ever done a two-part episode, but I think we might have to break this one into two. We're doing it right now. At least as far as the the podcast goes. So Yeah. yeah, in terms of what matters most, when I was preparing for our mastermind and I was thinking, what can I share of value? You know, I feel like I've learned a lot through this experience. And as far as everything happens for a reason, but it's our responsibility to choose the reasons that this is a big part of it is going, well, what matters most out of this experience? Like what are the, you know, this cancer happening? What are the most powerful and profound, not only lessons that I can learn, but changes that I can make in my life. And I think that's right. You learn a lesson. If you don't make a change or implement the lesson, the value that it holds is pretty minimal. And so for me, there's four buckets, if you will, of what matters most. And the first is perspective. There's the ideology we've all heard. Attitude is everything. But if you think about it, it is our perspective that determines our attitude, right? Our perspective determines our attitude. Meaning you can say, hey, I have a positive attitude. But if you're not maintaining a perspective that allows you to find meaning in adversity, in the things in your life, the challenges, the things that aren't going right. Also, and this is true for relationships. Like I think relationships are a great microcosm for life. And often the lessons that we learn in life apply to relationships. So for example, acceptance, accepting life before it happens or accepting the things that we can't change. And the idea that all of our emotional pain is self-created by the opposite of acceptance, which is resistance, right? To the degree that we resist our reality is the degree we create emotional pain for ourselves. Well, think about that in a relationship. It's really the same cause of pain. All of our pain in our relationships is also a result of non-acceptance or resistance to something the other person does or says or is. So if your significant other or your child or whatever, if they do something, think about it, you get upset over something they did, well, you can't change it. Or if it's something they do habitually, then it's a part of who they are. You can't change other people. And so in the same way that acceptance in life is what gives us peace in our lives and allows us to be free from emotional pain, acceptance in relationships, accepting other people as they are, not wishing they were different or wanting them to be different, but just being at peace with how they are and who they are, which really is what unconditional love is, right? That's what unconditional love is, loving people as they are and acceptance and unconditional love, they go hand in hand. And so I think having a perspective in your life that allows you to realize that every negative experience you have is rarely about the experience and it's all about your perspective on the experience. And so it's the same with the cancer. It's when I called you, John, I was laughing and smiling, you know, saying, hey, John, dude, I might have cancer. 
you know, and I said, it's, in fact, I'll tell this before I forget. I called John Vroman right after I called you and I called Vroman. I said, John, I've always joked with you that I wanted a retroactive front row foundation experience for the time I died in my car accident. I said, when am I going to get a front row experience? And I go, and I think I just manifested a front row experience now with this cancer, right? So anyway, the point is when you accept the things that you can't change, you can laugh at them. You can make fun of them, even if you're not excited about it, even if, you know, I wasn't, I didn't want cancer, but if I got cancer, I couldn't change it. And so I could either be miserable and depressed over it. And this is true for everything in your life down to traffic every day. You know, if you don't like traffic, right, take something that's not like a death or a major disease, but something every day like traffic, right? People go through traffic and they're frustrated and they're upset. It's not the traffic that's causing that. It's the fact that you're not willing to accept the traffic. You're resisting the traffic, therefore creating emotional pain for yourself. But when you accept all things you can't change, you can be at peace with them. And those three words, can't change it. That's what my mom said the other day to me, John. And I, was, I thought it was so cool that my mom, because I go, mom, you're the one that taught me that the way you responded to your adversity when you lost Amory, when my sister passed away. And she goes, I think I'm pretty good at it, but those three words, can't change it. She said, those allowed me to bring it into everyday life. She goes, I was good at it for the big stuff, you know, losing someone, but everyday life, I would forget it. You know, it it took a tragedy for me to go, okay, what can I learn from this? How can I help others with this? She goes, but in everyday life, like traffic, she said, I'd be frustrated. But then I realized, wait a minute, can't change it. And she goes, and when I say those three words, it brings a smile to my face because I remind myself, wait, I can't change it. There's no point in being upset about it. I don't need to be angry. I don't need to be upset, whether it's with a situation or it's with another person, someone that you love, with your child, with your spouse, When you just accept all things unconditionally, and it takes practice, but you live free from emotional pain or or it's very minimal and it's a great way to live. So perspective is the first part. I think the biggest thing that matters is the foundation because your perspective on everything in your life determines how you feel, which therefore determines the quality of your life. So John, any thoughts on perspective, buddy? I do have thoughts, but I'll let you continue if you had more to share. I can keep going. So the second thing that matters most is, and I'm going to bucket these together as one, but love and gratitude, love and gratitude. And I didn't realize one of the things this cancer has taught me is that there's a whole new level of love and gratitude available to us. It's almost like, I guess, most things in life where there's no ceiling to potential, right? You can get better at just about anything. That's why even the world's greatest athletes continue to practice their craft, right? They're trying to, you know, Michael Phelps is trying to shave a millisecond off of his time, you know? Um, Michael Jordan or, you know, LeBron James is trying to get his free throw percentage from, you know, whatever it is, 82% to 84% or whatever. I'm making those numbers up. But the point is, right, you always get better at something. Well, love and gratitude, I realize it falls into that category. And in terms of love and gratitude, One thing that I realized is self-love is something that I was actually not very good at. And that was a big realization for me. In fact, there's a book called Get a PhD in You. Two books I recommend. Number one is actually from one of our Quantum Week Mastermind members, Julie Reisler. Get a PhD in You. Talks a lot about self-love. And the other book is called Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends on It. I recommend getting those two books 
a PhD in you and love yourself like your life depends on it. And self-love is something I hadn't really even been aware of. And one of the causes that I've identified of my cancer possibly, and I don't know what caused it. The doctors say they don't know what causes leukemia, but I want to own responsibility for everything in my life as much as I can. So while some people say, Hal, you know, leukemia, it's a freak thing. It could be genetic. It could be this. It may be, but I want to look at what might I have done? Maybe I didn't, but what might I have done that could have caused the leukemia? And one of the things is I never felt like I deserved the success that I had. And I had this kind of this subconscious fear or insecurity. And I actually had verbalized this to you and, and Matt Recor and, you know, a few of my friends before, but I was waiting for the next adversity in my life. I went, you know what? I went through this car accident and it allowed me to help a lot of people. Life's gotten too easy. Life's just normal now. Like I'm not going through any major adversity. And it was almost like I was waiting for it. And it was unconscious and it would become conscious. Sometimes I'd be aware of it, but it was always like this monkey on my back, like in the back of my mind that I don't know what, who am I to have this success? I'm the guy that goes through adversity and learns from it. And so now I have an affirmation that says, I deserve to be happy, healthy, and successful for the rest of my life and not... (laughs) and never have cancer or any other disease, you know, for the rest of my life. And so now I affirm it every day so that I replace that negative. And this is, by the way, this is a great lesson for all of us that anything, any fear, any insecurity, any negative self-image that you, anything that you have that's not serving you, any part of your mindset that's not serving you, any way that you look at the world, any part of your perspective that is negative, that's detrimental, that causes you stress, that causes you pain or fear, whatever form of emotional pain, maybe causes you regret because something in the past you're still hanging on to, you haven't accepted it. Anything in your perspective that causes you with other people, right? Anything, any harboring negative belief or something from the past that you're holding inside toward another human being, any grudge, anything that is causing you pain that's not serving you, you can create an affirmation that reframes it, that reframes the perspective, that reminds you or guides you to look at things in a way that doesn't cause you stress, but causes you to feel at ease. That doesn't cause you to hold a grudge but that reminds you to love all people unconditionally. And that if you were them, you might be the same way. So who are you to judge them? If you had grown up living their life, you might be the same way. Who are you to judge them? And that's true for all people. But so for me, as soon as I have a shift in perspective, that's positive. Or if I realize that I have something negative that I'm holding on to, I just put it in writing in my affirmations and read it every single day and reprogram and reaffirm it. And so Back to the love and gratitude piece. I'll tell you something I did uh, uh, probably a few, three months ago. I woke up one morning at 4.30 in the morning to do my miracle morning. And my wife and my son were sleeping uh, in the bed next to me. My son and daughter normally sleep in their own bed, but my son had woken up in the middle of the night. He's four and my wife brought him in our bed. And so I woke up and uh, I looked at them and I was about to leave to do my miracle morning. And then I thought, wait a minute, look at them sleeping. They're so sweet. And I just sat there and I thought, I want to deepen my love for them right now, actively. I want to deepen my gratitude for them right now, actively. 
And so I sat there and I stared at my wife and I meditated. I just thought through how blessed I was to have her in my life and how beautiful she is inside and out and how grateful I am for her. And I felt it as deep as I could to where my eyes, you know, was crying, just looking at her. And then I looked at my son, I did the same thing. And then of course I went into my affirmations and I wrote a little reminder in there. Hey, this morning, how you had an amazing experience where you meditated to deepen your love and gratitude for, you know, your wife and your son, do this more often, right? Do it more often. And so I think that's something that we can all do is there's this level of love and gratitude that we have. It's usually very surface. It's usually very intellectual. Yeah, I love him. Yeah, I love her. Of course, I'm grateful for them. They're my family. But it really does come from our head. And we often don't let it penetrate our, our soul, you know, come from our heart and penetrate our soul. And I want to share one other thing that I did that really... In fact, this was what Mike McCarthy shared, I think, as when I shared this message at our Quantum Leap Mastermind, I think he said this made the biggest impact for him. And I would imagine for his wife too. But um, I had a, a realization, this was right before the cancer, and I'm really grateful that I have this before the cancer. But the realization was I decided that instead of in my relationship with my wife, you know, we often keep score unconsciously, right? It's like you do something for them, they do something for you. And if they don't do something for you, you're kind of like, well, why would I do this for you if you're not doing what you should be doing for me, right? You know, whether it's taking out the trash or emotionally, like, you know, or sex or whatever it is, right? I decided, I didn't realize this, but I am kind of keeping score unconditionally. I think we do it in our relationships. I do it with you, definitely, John. But, oh yeah, I got a checklist over oh, there. Of course, of course, yeah, actively. But no, um, but so I decided, you know what? I'm going to shift. My new commitment is to make my wife's life amazing with no expectation of anything in return and taking nothing personally. If my wife's having a bad day and she, you know, I feel like she's taking that on me, that's not going to change that my commitment is unwavering. It is to make her life amazing and to do it for my kids as well to do everything in my power to give them the life of their dreams. And not just in a big picture sense, like buy them a home or whatever, provide for them. But no, every day, every moment, asking myself, what can I do in this moment to make my wife's life amazing? And I'll tell you, when that's your commitment, and it kind of goes back to how, what I try to do with my community, just how can I add value? How can I add value? How can I add value? It's not about what I get in return. How can I add value? And like John said, when you do that for long enough, everything else takes care of itself. You know, money, everything takes care of itself. When you add value to the world, when you add value to the people in your life and you add value to your relationships, right? It's not instant. So some people might go, well, I made my wife's life amazing, you know, today and she was rude to me or it didn't, she didn't respond the way I wanted her to. That's keeping score. It's just this unconditional, unwavering. It's just about you giving to the people around you, just adding value, selflessly adding value. And when I did that, it transformed my relationship with my wife. It transformed every aspect of our marriage. And, you know, and it was great. There were no complaints, but it went from great to just unbelievable. And that was the focus. It's just, and it's that level of love and gratitude where you're actively loving other people by focusing on what you can give, not what you can get. And the last thing I want to say on that, John, is that when you focus on what you can get out of situations, and most of us, that's like human nature. We focus on getting the most out of every situation. And when you do that, it is stressful. 
And it also causes a lot of conflict in our lives. People sense it, right? They know you're trying to get as much as you can, and then it becomes a competition. They're trying to get as much as they can. So when you focus on getting as much as you can out of every situation, it causes a lot of stress and conflict. But when you shift that, and instead of focusing on getting, you focus on giving as much as you can in every situation, then what that does is it's liberating. So when you focus on getting, it's stressful, but focus on giving as much as you can to every person and every situation, to your clients, your loved ones, et cetera. And it, that becomes liberating because you're not keeping score. You're just going, I'm going to show up and give as much as I can. If somebody likes it, great. If they take it, great. If they reject me and tell me I'm a jerk and they don't want anything to do with me, that's okay because I wasn't giving for what I was going to get in return. I was just giving because that's who I am and that's the way I want to show up in the world. Huh. I'm out of breath. <laughs> Yo, pal, thing, pal. I got one last thing I'll share, John, and just a real quick thing, and, and we'll talk more about this on another podcast. But the last thing I think that matters most is freedom freedom. And that to me is nothing's been more beneficial for me and my family than creating a life of freedom. And when I say freedom, I mean the freedom to, you know, do what you want to do, do work that you love, spend time with people that you want to spend time with, et cetera. It's, you know, doing work that I love. It's creating a schedule that puts my priorities first, health, family, et cetera. So those have shifted now. My priorities have, I always said those were the priorities, but if you look at my schedule before cancer, they weren't reflective of family being a priority when I was working most of the time. Now it's, I only work when my kids are at school. But a big part of that, and this is something that we're going to, you know, at the Entrepreneur Day at Best Year Ever, I'm going to give a whole message on this, but it's creating passive income that enables all of that freedom, right? So being able to create passive income that allows me to spend time with my family as much as I want, that's allowed me to focus on healing right? Because my businesses are in place and our team's in place. That's allowed me to spend the last seven months not working very much. Not, you know, luckily I have people like John that will step up and do the podcast and Honore who helps run our book series and Tiffany that runs everything and my wife. And I mean, you know, but putting this team in place of amazing people and creating, you know, I guess it's a business, right? But these passive income streams, giving that financial freedom has been a really, really crucial part of this. And I never knew how much, you know, you don't know how much something matters until you're put in a situation where, you know, you, I don't know how to even articulate that, but you know what I'm, where I'm going with that, right? You don't know how much it matters until you're forced to have to leverage it. And I had to leverage the financial resources that I had put in place over the last 10 years. And it was just a game changer. And it's allowed my family to thrive and and me to thrive in the face of the health challenges. And that's part of Support the Unsupported is I realized, you know what, until I can teach people how to do that and create those income streams, right? That's not an overnight thing. I want to support the people that don't have those financial resources in place and that they can't afford the supplements or the caregiver or whatever that I've been blessed to be able to bring into my life during these really challenging times. And so for that, you know, it's just being grateful for it, but then paying it forward. And so, so those three things, it's maintaining perspective, really amplifying your love and gratitude, actively sharing it with other people that really improves all of your relationships, not just your personal relationships, but that to me, loving your employees, your clients, your partners, right? Really loving on them and adding value for them and focusing on how much you can give to them is huge. And then last but not least, making sure that your time, a large part of it, is dedicated to creating freedom in your life. And maybe it's going to take a few years, but I'll tell you, once you get there, 
it's one of the most beneficial things you can do for you and your family and people that you love and that you want to make an impact for. Wow, buddy. I would love to hear all of that again from the top. All right. (laughs) You re-listen to the podcast. Oh, rewind. That's so great. You know, there's a lot that you just said that I would love to add to, but I don't feel, I don't feel a need to. I will share two simple thoughts. Well, actually, you know what? I take that back. I'm going to share all my thoughts. So, <laughs> yeah, do it. So, no, we're, this is, remember, we're going to do a two part episode. You're good. We got, uh, yeah, by now we're on part three. Yeah, part four. So, I just want to acknowledge and affirm what you said about what you call self love. And anybody who's listening to this can define self love any way that you want to. And I interpret that as I got to take care of myself. I've got to take care of myself and not just physically, but mentally, emotionally. And that's actually something that I feel like in all of the buckets of my life, I have ones where I certainly struggle. That's one where I've done a great job. And one of the things that I have found is that the harder life gets, the more important it is that I do what's almost counterintuitive. I have been for a long time aiming to not be productive. I don't want to check off as many things as I can every day. Yes, I want to get done the fewest things that are most important. And even before I get those done, I got to take care of myself. And I just hope that everybody finds their own way to bring that into their lives. Because there is no formula that I'm aware of, but we've got to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves. And for me, I notice it. I notice it in a big, big way. And so I'm so glad to hear you share that, buddy. I want to say something about this idea of giving as well. So many of our community here are entrepreneurs. And one of the things that I love as an entrepreneur is when you shift the lens from what can I get and how many people can I close and convert? And not that you have to turn that off, but when you shift the mixture to where you're also coming a lot from a place of how am I adding? How am I creating? How am I generating a net positive impact with my network? Am I networking within my network? One of the things that I have found is that as an entrepreneur, when I put energy into giving, what happens is I actually become more creative. I become more entrepreneurially intelligent. I become a better entrepreneur because entrepreneurship in its essence is about creating more value than what people are paying for. So giving can actually become a whole strategy. And that's something that, you know, how you're talking about it one way, I really hope everyone is hearing it in many different ways. But I will tell you as an entrepreneur, what's fun, Hal, is you and I have talked about this for a long time. You and I are a great case study of two entrepreneurs who have both achieved a certain level of accomplishment, but in very, very different ways. Yeah. And yet what's interesting, it could be easy to look at your business and go, wow, Hal has, he's built an audience of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. And that has created a really healthy economic engine. You look at my business, I have an audience of zero. You could look at it that way. Yet I have this fascinatingly healthy economic engine. We have a small, small number of people that pay us lots and lots of money to do what we do in our world. But yet, even though on the surface, what you and I do looks different, fundamentally, we're driven by the same value. And we've both been driven by a value for a long time, which is create value, which is about giving, which is about solving problems. Even if I'm not the one who my business is not the solution, 
if I discover that somebody who I want to do business with one day, or I just want to help them one day, that they need something that I don't have, well, can I go find the thing they need and be the connector? Can I be the resource, right? Not just because my business is selling something. So I love that point, buddy. And I want to say one thing about freedom, because I think there's an additional perspective around freedom. And my imagination says that there's some of you who are watching us, who are listening right now, who when you hear Hal's description of freedom, it could be very easy for the little voice in our heads to say, well, I love that, but boy, am I very far from that. When you hear somebody talk about being able to do what you love or love what you do and and having choices in life. And I think that's a great aim for everybody. And some people get there in different ways at different rates. But I think there's another type of freedom for everybody to consider. Because I believe, and this is just my perspective, that if we hold this idea that the only freedom that's out there is the ability to work when I want and have everything I want to have, that can be a bit limiting because we just moved the finish line. We just moved the hurdle. As soon as I have all the things that I thought I wanted, now I want more things or more choices. There's always more choices I could want to have. So I want to offer an additional way to look at freedom because I believe, Hal, that you haven't always had and I haven't always had the freedom of choices that you and I have today. Sure. But for a very long time, Since the beginning, we've always had another type of freedom that's available to us. And I'd encourage everybody to think about this. And it's the freedom to behave or act or to take action in alignment with what we want to value, right? So I might not be able to sail on the boat or live on the island or fly on the plane or do all of these things or all these choices that at some point I'd like to have. However, what nothing can ever take away from me nothing can stop me from doing is the freedom to say, well, I value X, Y, Z in my life, whatever that is, relationships, community, creating for others, contributing, whatever it is. And in this moment, I'm going to behave in alignment with those values. See, I think the most unconditional freedom that we all have, the ultimate freedom is to decide to act in alignment with our values. And I think that when we do that, that's the highest level of integrity. The highest integrity is to say, this is what I value and to actually behave in alignment with that. And I think if we spend enough time acting in alignment with what we value, I've seen this for me. I've seen it for you, Hal. I've seen it for many others. There's something that is inherent or that is embedded in that idea. And that is excellence, right? Because when we say, here's what I value, and then we work hard to try and close that gap between what we say we value and how we actually show up every day, that demands excellence of ourselves, And in the long run, that excellence can then lead to all of the more superficial, you know, visible outcomes, the choices that we want. But nobody can take away from any of you, hey, you have the freedom to declare what you value and then to decide if you're going to act in alignment with that value. So I just wanted to add those thoughts there, buddy. And oh, hey, we're like four hours into our seven episode conversation here. (laughs) At some point, we should share with people that in November, 17, 18, 19 in San Diego, when we, and that'll be the first time you're back at an event for everyone to hang out with you. It's going to be great. Our best year ever live blueprint event. We want to invite all of you to come join us. We sell it out every year. I'm certain that'll happen again this year, especially with you having been gone last year, buddy. People are going to be pumped to hang out with you. But one of the things that we do at that event, Hal, you made the comment earlier about how important it is 
to experience gratitude, not just to intellectually understand it. And one of the things that we do at this event, I'm not going to give it away. There's an exercise we did two years ago. We didn't do it last year. But where we have people actually experience it, we don't really talk a lot about it, but we have them experience gratitude that for many, I bump into them or I get notes through Facebook, whatever, and they talk about, oh man, I'll never forget that. And it's just a great reinforcement how that, you know, what we do in November, for those of you that join us, is we create an experience where people can convert their adversities into their advantages. We create an experience where people can declare what they value and then figure out what it looks like to act in alignment with that. And we create an experience in November where people can move much closer to every definition of freedom because they take the time and space to be around others who are on the same journey of wanting to stand for nothing but excellence. So I know many of you who are watching and listening, you've joined us the last three years, four years, eight years, we've forgotten. How, how many years have we done it? Yeah. I think it's our 20 year anniversary coming up. Yeah, coming up. Uh, we have our blueprint. Should yeah. we skip a few years and just declare this year our eight year anniversary? Just see if anybody says anything. See if anyone notices. Yeah. Um, but uh, we can't wait to be with all of you in November, which is coming up really fast. That's why I just wanted to make that comment. I know many of you listening, watching, we're going to be there with you. So and Alan, if you're, what else yeah. should we talk about? Those videos we were talking about, the masterclass videos. Should we talk? Oh, this is like, this was supposed to be the first thing we it talked about. It was your about. idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Masterclass videos. That's your Yeah. Brain. Oh yeah, this is so fun. This is great. Oh, and what's great is this is completely in alignment with this idea of adding value. So fun announcement here. If you're watching, if you're listening, and then we're done. So please stay tuned for this announcement. This is really cool. So at last year's event, we made an investment. And the investment we made is we had a couple extra cameras on site. And what we did is we captured the event with excellence, knowing that we might want to turn the event into like a mini docu-series, if that's even a thing. Nowadays, the trendy word is to call it a masterclass. I love that. You call anything a masterclass, it must mean something, right? Sounds um, impressive. Yeah, sounds impressive. It's just called a video, people. <laughs> uh, so we have a mini docu masterclass series. Is that all one word? And here's what's really cool. It's free. We're giving it away. And what we've done is we've spliced up little micro moments from the Best Year Ever Blueprint event, like 30 to 90 second moments at the event. And we have Nick Conadera, our filmmaker, is creating a series of videos right now. There might end up being eight of them, 10 of them, 12 of them. And what we're about to do is in the next, let's just call it week or two, we're going to start releasing these videos. And they're just value-added videos. That's it. And there's no like sales pitch in these videos. It's literally just giving away value from the event last year. And we would invite any of you to um, share these videos with your community, with your network. So once you see these videos, please share them with others. They're entirely all about adding value. And uh, so those will be released in the next few weeks. And the way to get them, JB, is if you go to bestyeareverlive.com, that's the site about the event, but bestyeareverlive.com. And if you opt in for more info, that's who we're going to be sending the videos to. We'll post them in the Facebook group, the Miracle Morning Community. But that's how you ensure that you get them. So bestyeareverlive.com. And if you get on that specific email list, that's just for those videos. So we'll send those out as soon as they're all ready. And I think we have the first two or three are done, but we want to get the whole series and we'll send those out one at a time. So yeah. And those of you, uh, a whole bunch of people just posted questions about the event on the live stream. So go to bestyoueverlive.com. A few things that we have done a terrible job. Actually, we just haven't announced this at all, but this is the first year that we have different payment plans available 
for the event. So go check that out. And if you're thinking about coming to the event and you're deciding between being there for two days or three days, if you're an entrepreneur or you aspire to, you do not want to miss the Entrepreneur Day on Friday. The only other encouragement I would give is anyone who's coming to this event, bring a friend with you. We give discounts if you come with a second person. And if you have a team, I cannot tell you how many people come to this event and they tell us repeatedly three things. One is they loved the event and you can you don't have to take our word for it. Go talk to people who've been there, watch the videos. And then the other thing people say is, I wish I would have brought my spouse. I wish I would have brought my business partner or I wish I would have brought a team with me because you come to an event like this and your whole team can go through a planning process where they set up really well for their next year to have the best year ever. And, and it's hard to bring that back home. So it was actually cool. You mentioned bringing their, they wish they would have brought their teenager. I think it was, well, I was there. So a year before last, um, was it Tim Corn? I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it was Tim, but he brought his 15 year old daughter and she like, he had to drag her there kicking and screaming, right? She's like, dad, this is, I don't want to go to this. So he paid for her to go, of course, brought her to the event. And at the end of the three days, she said, dad, I'm coming next year, but I want to pay for it because I want to earn this. And so, yeah, I thought that was so cool that, you know, a 15 year old who was like, dad, I don't want to go to some personal development event with you, you know, by the end of it was signed up for the following year. And she said, I'm paying for it because I want it to be something that I earn, you know, so. That's so cool. That is so cool. Great. Anything else we should talk about, buddy? I'm sure there's probably, we probably left out lots of things to talk about, but uh, we'll have to record another podcast, dude. I got to (laughs) go. I'm actually going into the hospital tomorrow for my eighth and final in-hospital, four-day intensive treatment. This is the one that I usually get some sort of terrible infection that puts me back in the hospital. Oh, for like, my gosh. But I've set the intention. I'm trying to do everything that I can holistically so that that doesn't happen. But everybody, if you're watching this on the live stream, please say a prayer. <laughs> I know there's a lot of people out there that need prayers, but I could use one for the next four days that... Uh, it goes off without a hitch and that's the next few weeks I can come back to my family and not be back in the hospital for, for a week or two. So that's my, my intention that I've set. And so if you're with me, I appreciate it. That's awesome. Well, buddy, there's i uh, I've been watching the chat stream online and there's lots of, lots of supportive folks in the community, sending positive energy, sending love, healing energy. So good luck, buddy. Thanks for being here with us today. And We'll bring you back on the podcast whenever you want, of course. Yeah, and, thanks uh, for bringing me back on my podcast, buddy. That's a nice offer. No. <laughs> well, I mean, no, maybe. The way I'll, I'll run it by the committee was, here. Yeah, the way you said that. It was, yeah, and, you know, hey, you know, you, maybe we'll bring you back on. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Hey, thanks for running the show for me. It's been great, man. It's been, yeah. I can't believe it's been however many months it's been. Somebody told me I six know. months. Seven months. No, wait. Well, it's been a while. And when I come back, I'm thinking uh, we'll take a vote. We'll have our loyal listeners vote. You want Hal to come back and take over or keep it Hal and John? Let's do, you know, we'll take turns. You do an episode, I do an episode. I I know what my vote is. Yeah. (laughs) I'm looking at the list here. I was wondering if I had a favorite episode. You know, they've all been fun. They've all been really cool. Yeah. What's your favorite episode? Because I haven't been able to listen to all of them. (laughs) Yeah. I have to think about that. Christopher Lockhead. You always talk about Lockhead. Well, he's just a marketing genius and a wildly entertaining guy at the same time. So he's just outrageously funny and smart. Yeah. Yeah. You get kind of a double value there. I'm looking at the list. You know, it's Jordan Harbinger, Vroman, Jamie Masters, Lockhead, Juliana Ray, Gail Goodwin, David Osborne, Ryland Englehart, Jay Papazan, Robert Kiyosaki, Natalie, the author of your, it's a your good list. for college students, Roberta Baskin, 
Alyssa Dare Nelson, one of our Quantum Leap members, another one with Roman, Karen, a Quantum Leaper. So half these people we met at our Best You Ever Blueprint, which is really cool. Andy Storch last week. Actually, last week's is really funny. I don't know if I even told you this, buddy, which is fun. You for just other played people. an interview of yours? Yeah. So Andy interviewed me Lazy. for his episode and I got off that. I'm like, oh man, that would knock one off the list if I could just replay that. <laughs> so that worked out well. So thanks, Andy Storch of the Entrepreneurial Hot Seat. Great guy. Awesome. Well, buddy, thank you for, uh, for holding uh, down the fort and doing such a great job. Like I said, I've gotten great feedback. And everybody watching or listening, just thank you for listening. Thank you for your time, your energy, your attention. And for those of you that have, you know, just for your support, your prayers, your love, like all of it, it's overwhelmingly positive and amazing. And by the way, we do, although we don't know exactly what support the unsupported is going to do other than it's going to support people that need support, we do have a Facebook group. So we did start there. So while the nonprofit's being formed, you can go to Facebook and go to support the unsupported. Because what happened is in the Miracle Morning community on Facebook, John, we started getting so many people that were kind of following my lead. And also now it's become the prayer requests and all sorts of stuff that was important, but it wasn't really part of the Miracle Morning. You know, it wasn't really related to the Miracle Morning. So we created Support the Unsupported and kind of move, asked everybody to move over any prayer requests over to Support the Unsupported. So if you need support, if you, you know, have a prayer request, go to Support the Unsupported, the Facebook group. And that's a good spot for it. And uh, yeah, we'll hopefully... Uh, see you in person at the first opportunity that I'll have to meet everybody since this diagnosis. I, John, I, the weird thing is I don't know if my hair, A, I don't know if it'll ever grow back. I think it will. But I don't question. Gonna, yeah, I don't want to have hair back. Uh, you know, I'm interested in how I'm going to... We got to do the wigs. We got to do the wigs. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, th- that was yeah. fun. Didn't the chemo allow you to start growing a mustache? It did. It did. I, uh, I can't find the picture, but no, yeah. So I've never been able to grow a mustache, everybody. I just don't grow facial hair. It's like, you know, very patchy, just not even patchy. It's like one hair here, one hair here, one hair here. And all of a sudden I I come out of chemo, you know, and I'm home for like three weeks and I start getting this crazy five o'clock shadow and it's this big, thick, bushy, black mustache. And then, (laughs) and it went away and then it went away. Now I can't grow hair. Like, so I, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. Wild. How about that? Huh? But but it was funny, but I I let it grow because my wife was out of town. I mean, it was hideous. It just looked hideous. (laughs) (laughs) Mustaches are hideous, but it just didn't look good on me. And uh, so I took a selfie and I sent it to John and our other friends. And I go, cancers give me a lot of gifts, but probably none better than this ability to grow this incredible mustache. Uh, which I'm keeping for Ursula to come home. And she came home and she's like, what's shave that? I'm like, no, sweetie, this is, I'm going to keep is real. This is my look. And anyway, so yeah. 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 The mustache comes in second place though, to the coffee enema, which I think we need a whole episode on that. I can't believe how many people I've already got doing coffee enemas. That's a microcosm of, I'm going to have great. thousands. Gonna, we do people. coffee enemas here in the office on Thursdays. <laughs> it's they call it coffee enema Thursdays. <laughs> All right. All right. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. All right, buddy. I love you, JB. Love you, buddy. This is great. I'll talk soon, buddy. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. 